It's the first Sunday after Christmas Day, and rather than attempting to normalize this very strange season separated from family, friends, and our church building, I take this morning as an opportunity to offer a reflection on how Paul uses the word faith in his letter to the Galatians. Let's, let's read the passage from today's lectionary. It's from Galatians 3, 23 to 25, and chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Before faith came, says Paul, and in the following sentence he continues, Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. This is a contested passage of Scripture among many Christians and Christian scholars. Some want to emphasize an individual's faith or belief in Christ while others emphasize the faith of Christ. Paul is doing something here that ever so subtly reaches beyond our modern anxieties about how a person receives justification or salvation through Christ. We tend to read this passage with the modern concern about who is saved by God and who's not, which compels us to say that it's either the faith of Christ or the faith of the individual that is to be emphasized. Paul, however, simply doesn't share our modern anxiety over who's in and who's out. Paul rather knows that Christ has shattered the gates of hell and death and that we have been adopted as God's own children and have become heirs of immortality. What Paul is able to do in his letter to the Galatians, exemplified in this particular passage, is to show that faith and Christ are interchangeable. They are in many ways synonymous, though we would not want to simply equate the two. Faith is a person. Justification 
is a person. Salvation is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. When in the fullness of time God sent his Son, born of a woman, says Paul, he did so to fulfill the purpose of creation. And the purpose of creation is eternal joy in God. We worry a good deal about how this is achieved, but Paul, by using faith and Christ interchangeably, Paul opens us to recognize that faith is not something we have or even something that Christ enacts, at least not in this specific sense, except that Christ is performing the very nature of who God is. And the nature of God, as revealed in Jesus of Nazareth, is to give life and to restore life in all that God has made. God cannot help but generate life, as it were, for this is who God is, faith. The trustful obedience of Christ to this generative love God is, is another way of saying that Christ, faith incarnate, is here to breathe new life into our mortal bodies. This is why Paul goes so far as to say that even our prayer and praise to God is that which is uttered in us by the Spirit, who speaks through us saying, Abba, Father. God speaks to God through us. This is faith. Faith is the work of Christ working itself out in us. It is the prayer of the Spirit speaking us into the very heart of God. It is the love of God who receives us as his own. So, it is not our faith that saves Yet neither are we simply to counter this claim and say that it is the faith of Christ. It is the faith of Christ that saves, don't get me wrong. However, we can only say this if we mean by it that it is Christ who is the faith that he enacts. It is Christ who saves. Faith does not save. Jesus saves. God saves. To have faith, then, is not to possess something that we can call our own or something uh, we will to confess. Faith is the reality of Christ's incarnation in the depths of the human heart which generates new life in us to the degree that we let go and become open to the spirits speaking to God in us. 
I know this sounds awfully abstract, but it's anything but abstract. This is an embodied, this is an incarnate affair whereby we learn to silence our thoughts, our words, and our deeds and receive the mind of Christ and speak the words of the Spirit and work the works of the Father that God is working in us. We have to clear our minds of fleeting thoughts, concerns, and anxieties by increasing our attention to the things of God. Some would call this mindfulness, which is fine so long as we are speaking of the mind of Christ. We have to cleanse our speech by ridding our lips of idle chatter, as St. Benedict says. We have to rid ourselves of rumors or words of judgment regarding others. Our words must build up, not tear down. And our deeds, our deeds must align to the will of our Father in heaven, attentive to how our actions lift up the lowly or bring them down how they strengthen the vulnerable or make them weaker, as well as how we live in community with others, even strangers. Faith, in other words, involves a total participation in Christ where we let go of ourselves, empty ourselves, in order to inhabit the freedom of Christ and share this freedom generously with others. In this COVID Christmas time, with nine days left in Christmas, let us discern our thoughts, our words, and our deeds and ask ourselves how they align with faith incarnate Christ our Lord. In the process, we remember that we interrogate ourselves not for fear of judgment, but rather to receive Christ anew each day as daily bread, as we reorient our lives to the mind of Christ, the prayer of the Spirit, and the will of our Heavenly Father oriented toward God with the whole of our daily lives will lead us into true faith, hope, and love, which culminates, which culminates because it is our end with a joy that transforms the very fibers of our being. That is incarnation. This is the faith of Christ. Let us embrace it with the full and total abandon by which God embraces us. Amen.
Again, treating this Sunday after Christmas Day a bit differently, as our time of prayer together, I invite you into a time of discernment. Immediately following our closing hymn, you will receive an email a, um, with a set of prayerful questions. These are also posted on the live stream page of the church's website. It's listed there as discernment questions for the first Sunday after Christmas Day. I invite you to respond to the questions by writing down your response. This is a tangible way of offering yourself as a prayer to God in this, in this season of joyful discernment in Christ. First, incarnation is all about aligning our thoughts, words, and deeds with the thoughts, words, and deeds of Christ. And so the first question is, what are the thoughts that occupy your mind on a daily basis? Random thoughts often enter our minds when we're trying to focus or to think about something in specific. But perhaps there's a particular concern or a particular set of concerns or even anxieties that seem to rise up with regularity. What are these? What do they involve? Is it something that needs to be reconciled so that you can let these thoughts go? How will you let them go? Write these down as a way of offering these concerns, these anxieties, these thoughts to God. Second, aligning our words. Our, our words need to align with the Spirit of Christ. What words need to be removed from your lips so that your speech conforms to the way of love? Maybe you struggle as I do with something like sarcasm, which is not necessarily bad, but it can do harm if we let it, if it gets in the way, gets in between our relationships. Maybe you've said something hurtful to someone recently. How might, how might um, you need to repair what is fractured or broken by words that have come out of your mouth? Is your speech, generally speaking, is it building others up or is it tearing others down? Do complaints frequent your mouth or is the joy of Christ upon your lips? What about your speech needs to change? Again, write these down. And third, conforming our actions with Christ. How do your actions conform to the faith you confess with your lips. The places you frequent, the things that you consume, the service that you offer to others, 
are these drawing you and others closer to Christ or are they turning you more in on yourself and turning others away? Are your deeds ordered by your own will or is the love of God for others that which governs your life? What needs to change about how and what you do each and every day, your habits and practices. Again, write these down and, and make time to really prayerfully consider um, how your life is conforming to the way of love. Responding to these questions prayerfully it's not easy. It requires a great deal of humility. It requires a level of honesty with ourselves that resists evading these kinds of questions because they make us uncomfortable or um, by making excuses for our thoughts, words, and deeds because of something somebody else said or something somebody else did. We can't control what others say or do, but we can compel others to think differently, to speak faithfully, and to work the works of God if we ourselves offer our lives as a living sacrifice in all thought, word, and deed. Make this your prayer this Christmas tide, and let the Spirit speak in you. If we listen to God speaking with God in us, our lives, as Paul writes to the Galatians, will be transformed by the very prayer of Christ. And now I invite you to join with me in saying St. Augustine's breastplate, which is something Augustine is said to have spoken each morning um, as a way of remembering who he was to be attentive to each day. Let's say this together. Remember, Christian soul, that thou hast this day and every day of thy life God to glorify Jesus to imitate, a soul to save, a body to mortify, sins to repent of, virtues to acquire, hell to avoid, heaven to gain, eternity to prepare for, time to profit by, neighbors to edify, the world to despise, devils to combat, passions to subdue, death perhaps to suffer, judgment to undergo. Amen. And now may the spirit of discernment rest upon you this Christmas tide, and the favor of God visit you newly with the joy and peace of Christ. And may the blessing of God be ever upon you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reminder that it is still Christmas, and so Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you for being with us this morning, and do make time this week to prayerfully discern those questions that we might grow deeper in the faith of Christ together. Amen.